After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This is the great heavenly picture of the communion of the saints. And the communion of the saints is the great missing piece of the puzzle in the American Christian perspective of the church. What is the communion of the saints? The larger Anglican Catechism for Traditional Parishes answers that question this way. The communion of the saints is the unity and fellowship of the one body of Christ through his one Holy Spirit in baptism and is shared by all the faithful on earth and in heaven. Says St. Paul to the Ephesians, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. The writer to the Hebrews notes that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. He then goes on to say that we don't come to the old covenant temple of God. We don't come to the mountain where Moses and the people met with God. No, We come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. The new covenant... Let me rephrase. As I used to, well, as I still say to my students when I'm teaching Hebrews, Old Covenant food was good, bacon is better. (laughs) The Old Covenant was a good and blessed thing, a holy thing that God gave us. But the New Covenant outshines the Old completely. We don't come to the Old Temple, we don't come to the Old Mountain. By the way, the part I skipped was the part of fear and trembling as they saw God descend on the mountain and they're all thanking God that they're not Moses having to go up and see him. No, we come to the heavenly Jerusalem. We ascend up the hill of God. Today, in our worship, spiritually, we go to heaven. The passage I just read connects with that quote from our epistle lesson I started with, doesn't it? Heavenly worship. That's what we're about today. We also should be hearing prayer book language echoing in our minds from later in the Mass. Therefore, with angels and archangels, with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name evermore, praising thee. 
Beautiful, beautiful imagery. And it's true, and it's real, even if our eyes can't see it. Is it any wonder why we attempt to make our earthly imitation of heavenly worship, our participation as beautiful as we can? Don't look at the walls, look up, that's pretty. But what practical matter does all this make? I would argue that, we, that it makes a great difference in the way we approach God and the way we understand the church. And I know some of you know that this could go on for hours. I, I'm just going to scratch the surface. Firstly, we don't approach God alone. Even when we're alone physically, our approach to God is as a part of that great company that we saw in our readings, both here on earth and those in heaven. You might wonder about one's devotional life. Well, you know, I have my alone time with God. When I grew up, we called it a quiet time. And yes, I understand the question. Yes, there is a sense in which we have a very personal life with God in our devotional prayer life. But I would remind us all of a very important point. Our devotional prayer life, in fact, the devotional prayer life of all the greatest mystics that we know of, and ours too, are built upon the foundation of the weekly communion and the daily office. Our devotional life is built upon that. I had that backwards as a kid. I thought it was the other way around. My devotional life didn't go very far, and therefore I figured I was a pretty lousy worshiper of God on Sundays and other days. So the weekly communion and the daily office is the place that we start in our approach to God. And our ascent today in the Eucharistic worship before God is definitely with the communion of saints. We're headed to heaven. And if we are there, then so is everyone else there worshiping God today. And the faithful believers and servants of God that have gone on before us are also in heaven worshiping God. It's always one big party in heaven, feasting at Christ's table. So this individual Jesus and me religion is not the Christian faith. I'm not saying that if that's where you're at or that's where you come from like I did, that you're not a Christian. I'm just saying that's not the faith delivered to us by the saints that go before us, by the Holy Scriptures. You see, the Christian faith is corporate. The foundational worship of God is corporate. Yes, we are all different works of God, different personalities, different persons. And yes, our devotional prayer life can and does and should reflect that reality. But don't allow yourself to forget that we are one body, members one of another, as St. Paul puts it. Don't forget the communion of the saints is the unity and fellowship of the one body of Christ through his one Holy Spirit in one baptism and is shared by all the faithful on earth and in heaven. The second practical difference that 
this all makes is our understanding of the church. That understanding is enlarged when we understand the communion of the saints. It just gets bigger, right? Do we pray for those who have gone on before us? Yes, of course we do, every week. And we also bless thy holy name for all thy servants departed this life in thy faith and fear, beseeching thee to grant them continual growth in thy love and service, and to give us grace so to follow their good examples, that with them we may be partakers of thy heavenly kingdom. This snippet of our prayer for the whole state of Christ's church is a really good image of what today, of what all saints is all about. Let's revisit the collect or the prayer for today. O Almighty God, who has knit together thine elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of thy Son, Christ our Lord, grant us grace so to follow thy blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living. A strong reminder that we're all one body and that we are to emulate the godly living of those who have gone on before us. Indeed, we are to be an example of godly living to those who follow us. The church is just much, much bigger than many of us ever dreamed of in our early Christian lives. Do you ask Christian friends to pray for you or your family or for a particular need ever? Of course you do. As far as I'm aware, all Christians have this practice of asking for prayer. Do you not think that the church in heaven is doing the same? Do you think they might be praying for us? Or do you think that they are completely unaware of our situation here on earth, our needs, our prayer requests? The text of Revelation chapter 5 seems to make a fairly close association with the heavenly worship going on always before the throne of God and the prayers of us all. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. There's a very close association in the heavenly worship of our prayers and the worship of all the saints that, have, uh, that is going on all the time. Just as we ask each other for prayers, there is a very long tradition of asking for the prayers of the saints in heaven. Here's an example we use on our patronal feast day. We humbly entreat thy majesty, O Lord, that as thy blessed apostle Andrew was once a teacher and ruler of thy church, so he may be a constant advocate for us before thee. We're asking for his prayers. And another prayer. Lord, we pray thee that the devout prayers of thy blessed apostle St. Andrew may commend our sacrifice unto thee. We're asking for Andrew to be a part of our worship, for him to pray for us, to pray that God would even um, accept our sacrifice. And I can't go into that because there's too many sacrifices that we're giving. So do people pray directly to saints? Yes, they do. And that practice has enriched many a devotional life. Historically, however, most of the Western church has tended to ask God for the prayers of the saints in heaven as in the examples I just gave you. Because of the medieval problems with the cult of the saints in England, the post-Reformation Anglican Church has generally done just that same thing in her public worship. She has asked God for the prayers of the saints. 
May we always remember the great cloud of witnesses and the prayers of the saints for us. And may we keep them in our prayers from our close relatives that we have been to their funerals, to the great saints of history, the apostles, the great historical figures. And today we remember all those associated with our parish that have gone on before us to the heavenly worship of God. Remember that you're not alone in your faith and in your Christian walk. We are a part of something much greater. Amen.